Hi there, I'm Andy, a moon chasing, manifesting, wander lover, and feel good aficionado. Consider me your woo woo best friend. This show is a sacred space for ideas, concepts, and modalities that might be considered taboo, but that I personally find a great magic in. In these conversations, my mission is to inspire confidence, worth, and mystical thinking in our modern world. Let's get into it, shall we? Hello there. I am coming at you here today, one day after the lunar eclipse, the start of eclipse season. Mercury retrograde is on the way in. We are one day post full moon in Sagittarius. And the timing for this is perfect. If you ask me, it's like we have a good scheduling system or something over here at your woo woo best friend. Our episode today is all around the astrology of summer. And I'm so excited to bring our guest to you. I'm going to share a bit more about her in just a second. And I want to also mention, you may be feeling these vibrational shifts. Depending on what your birth chart looks like, you may be feeling them in a really big way. Really, whether we want to or not, lunar eclipses give us an opportunity to truly gain greater freedom in our lives. I was having a conversation in the kitchen yesterday morning with Ben, my partner, and his rising sign is Sagittarius, this lunar eclipse full moon that we experienced last night-ish, depending on when you're listening, is in the sign of Sagittarius. So for him, I knew he was feeling it a bit more intensely. And I recommended for him, and I'm going to share this with you too, a couple of questions to ask yourself coming through an eclipse experience and entering into eclipse season and entering into this Mercury retrograde that's coming up starting this weekend. So here's those questions. What do I need to let go of to move my life into a state of greater freedom? Where have I closed off my beliefs to the perspectives of others, perspectives that could offer new potential in my life? Where am I restricting myself? Where am I putting restrictions and binds on myself so that I can't step into a state of greater freedom? Where have I been avoiding opportunities for greater knowledge so that I can expand? And where am I avoiding stepping into experiences that will lead me into connection with expansive people? So I share those with you because I think they're good journal questions for all of us to be working through coming out of this first eclipse of the year and entering into this Mercury retrograde and this beautiful summer that we have ahead has so much potential for us. So I'm going to let my guest tell you all about that. She is definitely schooling us on the astrology of the summer. So let me give you a preview 
of my guest, Mackenzie Greer, and then we will get right into it. Mackenzie is a New York City-based traditional psychological astrologer and palmist who writes the daily horoscopes for astrology.com. Okay, no big deal. Go ahead, Mackenzie. Mackenzie and I have actually known each other for many, many years. We met through the good old Instagram and had our first in real life connection in New York City so many years ago on a really rainy day in the West Village, if I recall correctly. And it was so much fun to get to just get to know her over the course of years. I remember as she was studying palmistry, she gave me the opportunity when she was studying all those many years ago to have a palm reading with her. We did it over Instagram. And I've just loved Mackenzie's work since then. When my website, WeWe, was a baby blog and just getting started, she was the first astrology writer we had for the site. If you spend time on the website now, you know we have so many incredible voices contributing stories, contributing their wisdom and expertise. And it ranges from all sorts of topics like astrology to manifestation to tarot and so on. And Mackenzie was really the first contributor. She truly was that she was the very first contributor to the site in that way. Before that, it really had been my personal journal of travels. And I was starting to make this big shift around the time that I met Mackenzie and really wanted to bring more of that woo-woo-ness to the blog that had been my personal journal, and she was the first gal to do it. So you can definitely go find her work today at astrology.com because she's a badass and she's writing the daily horoscopes over there. She studied palmistry under Ellen Goldberg at the School of Oracles, and she is studying at the world-renowned Astrological Institute of Kepler College for her astrology certification. Mackenzie is an artist. One of the things I loved about her immediately when I connected with her digitally was her eye for art. She is an incredible photographer. She is a painter. She's a writer. She's a songwriter. She is a Leo rising Pisces moon, and you can feel that creative energy and intuitive channeling of the arts and everything that she does. So here we go. I'm super excited to get into the astrology of the summer with my friend Mackenzie Greer of Mac and the Zodiac, writer for astrology.com, all around creative artistic, beautiful soul. Welcome, Mackenzie Greer. Okay, Matt, we're together. We're here. We're doing it. <laughs> we're doing it. I'm so excited to get to talk to you. And obviously, we've been talking a little bit already before I hit record. We've known each other for quite some time. We you're have. Like my first, uh, you're like my first like real astrologer friend. Wow, what an honor. Thank you. <laughs> I know we go way back on on the gram. It's crazy. I, yeah. It's amazing that we're still connected and doing things together. And like, it's just such an exciting time. 
Yeah, it, it's really, it, it's so true. And when I was just starting Wee Wee, when Wee Wee was like a baby blog, I don't even know if it was just starting, but it was still very much a baby blog. You were writing these beautiful reports for my, what was then a very small readership that was growing and blossoming, blossoming and being nurtured. And I was just, it was so great. I was so grateful. I know that was so cool. And like, and it was so neat because you gave me how my kind of first start getting some horoscope work under my belt. I was kind of like, do I write horoscopes now? And then all of a sudden down, you know, years down the road, I'm writing for astrology.com and I'm like, okay, I guess I do write horoscopes. You definitely do write horoscopes. Yeah. So tell me about astrology.com. So you're writing, let's just pause. That's a big deal. It's big. It's really big. It's so exciting. Um, That transition happened this year. I was writing for sunsigns.com. Mm-hmm. prior to that. And now I'm in astrology.com, which is like a way bigger readership. And I'm doing the daily horoscopes. If anyone ever wants to check out your dailies, I like to really take a honed in kind of psychological approach. That's just like my favorite way to use astrology. So if you're looking for a solid daily horoscope, may I recommend myself on astrology.com? <laughs> and may I second that? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a cool gig. Yeah. So cool. So it's like, it's like an astrologer dream. It is. It's it's massive. It's a lot of work, but it's it's cool. That's so great. Cheers to you. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. 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 Okay. So, how are you? What's what's been going on since you know since we've since we've chatted last? Oh man, it's it's been a lot. It's been really just kind of you know since 2020. I used to work in television, uh, pretty much primarily to like pay the bills, right? Um, but nowadays I'm really honing in on my astrology. I'm writing daily horoscopes. I'm writing weekly horoscopes for people like a different company um, that's starting in the fall. So, and I'm really pretty much honing in on my readings right now too. So I'm just doing like a lot of work interpersonally with the astrological, you know, approach, um, and trying to make money through doing what you love, you know, like that's, that's the end goal. Right. And so I'm happy to kind of be really transitioning my focus towards, you know, making things happen on this front and doing horoscopes and videos and TikToks, just, you know, trying to be, trying to be hip with the kids and (laughs) see what the kids are doing these days, you know, just nothing wild quite yet. I'm thinking about doing some workshops or some classes, uh, maybe later in the year, once I kind of get my feet on the ground, but otherwise things are good. Saturn returning. If you guys know about that, that's quite a ride. Um, but yeah. So so for those who don't know what that means, what is what what is what is a Saturn return, Mac? What is yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> so your Saturn return is basically when, you know, after 29 years, natal Saturn or really transiting Saturn returns to its natal position in your chart. So wherever Saturn was on the day you were born, 29 years later, approximately 28 and a half, sometimes 30, Saturn returns to that spot. Um, and essentially what that does is bring on for a lot of people, you know, it can go a couple of ways, but most of the time it's really a maturation process. It kind of asks you, are you ready to parent yourself? Are you ready to really become an adult? We're all used to hearing, oh, at 18, you become an adult. No, we all know that that's not true. The reality is when you pass through that Saturn return gate into 30, that's when you become truly mature and you kind of learn to parent yourself in a new capacity and take responsibility for all that stuff. You don't look back and blame your parents for all your stuff anymore. You're like, all right, I got to keep if I'm going to take care of me, I've got to take care of me. Um, so in a nutshell, Saturn return really deals sometimes with inauthentic, you know, elements of our lives. It can break down careers that aren't fitting. It can break down relationships that aren't fitting. It can just really kind of clear the path or be a super, you know, creatively fertile time. So it's 
one or the other ultimately, but it's, it's a really important ride and I'm learning all about it being in it. So, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a transformation in one way or another. Do you remember yours? Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Most people have one, right? Yeah, totally. I mean, at that time I, I, gosh, Yes. I'm like all the things I could tell you. I, I, I made a, I made a big move. I like to act. I feel like I'm always making a big move lately, but (laughs) truly I promise this is, you know, if you know, if you have for anyone who's listening, who's been kind of like following my process over the last like two years, it feels like I'm always making a big move, but that's not, not really the case for most of my life. Um, but yeah, around that time I made a big move. That was when I actually moved to new Orleans for the first time. And it was very much like I found my soul home in that experience. And I was getting out of like an incredibly tumultuous and awful relationship where I finally was like, oh, wait, I actually have control of what happens here. I don't have to like be in this like punishing ridiculousness that was very much that idea of like, well, it it wasn't that I was blaming my parents for my relationship, but I was very much like very, very unconsciously pulling things in from my like parental experience into this like ridiculous tumultuous relationship. And so, yeah, I was like waking up to like, Oh, I, this wait, wait, sister, you don't got to do all this. Yeah. You don't have to be here. Right. Exactly. That's the beauty of Saturn. Everyone thinks it really kicks your ass and it does, but it does that so that you can like come out on the other side of this process with like a new insight into who you are and what you need and what you don't need primarily. So for me at that time, I definitely didn't know what it was. I was not familiar with what a Saturn return might be. But when I got on the other side of it, and then when I found astrology, I was like, oh, okay, that's what just happened there. <laughs> got it. Waking up to it. So right. yeah. Okay. So I want to ask you, we have some fun things we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the astrology really of late spring, early summer. But before we get into that, I want to ask you about your big three. So tell me about your sun, your rising, and your moon. And it's fun to ask an astrologer their signs because you can give us a little bit of education about these signs at the same time. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's what a joy. It's, you know, I'm a cancer sun. Um, so I'm a little crab human and I am a Leo rising. So that adds a lot of fire and, you know, kind of a need to be doing something, be seen on one's own stage to a, a really shy, rather introverted, mm. family-focused cancer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I am a Pisces moon, which just cranks up the sensitivity to life times 5 million. Um, so essentially, I like to think of myself as like a crab in boiling water, um, <laughs> like really kind of just like ah, trying to stay afloat. Um, really, it's like it's a fun ride. It's just when you have a lot of water placements, it's like a really just intense emotional sensitivity as any of you who have them know. Um, And when you have fire, thank God, it's just like, okay, we got to just push through. We got to bounce back. We got to keep going. We got to stay inspired. Um, I love that, that faculty. It's just because it's like, you know, intuitive, you know, nature mixed with the emotional nature that makes me, me and other yeah. water fire people them, you know? And so you'd be, you're like super earth and fire. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so earth and fire. And you have all that, you have all that natural creativity with, with cancer and Pisces. And then like speaking, speaking like, or bringing voice to it with that Leo rising. 
Exactly. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's kind of like the water signs need a little kick to be like, here, get, go do your thing, go shine. Like, mm-hmm. um, with that fire, cause otherwise they'll just kind of like be introverted and hide. Um, but thankfully fire kind of can help get one out of one's shell, which a cancer needs. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that's, <laughs> that's my big three. It's just a watery, fiery world of emotions. <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. It. I, I love that. I love that mix. Such a, <laughs> Such an intuitive, dreamy, oh. and like taking the taking your own stage at the same time, sort of sort of blend. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's a nice one. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into let's get into what's happening. So let's start with this. What are the main themes that we should be? You know, obviously, we're all thinking about like, can we can we not have a can we not do twenty twenty ever again? Can we? <laughs> can whatever 2021 looks like and we're we're almost like we're entering into the very soon the sixth month of 2021 so we're very much like moving moving we're we're in motion so what are the main themes that we're we've carried from 2020 into 2021 let's start with that absolutely i think that's a great place to start essentially you know what was kind of getting to me at the end of 2020 was everyone was just like clinging to 2021 to be their savior. They're just like, Oh Mm -hmm. my God, please like make this stop. And I was kind of continually repeating this message that like thing is we kind of opened a book and we can't just skip to the end. We can't just be like, let's just, you know, we're done now. And we've been really kind of moving through this process these last six months almost um, to really kind of, you know, tap into what it is that's needed from us or or what collectively is kind of awakening in terms of, I mean, just everything. It's obviously we all know 2020 was an explosion of, of themes and the astrology of 2020 was so potent and so packed um, that we need to kind of carry on that story into 2021 is essentially what I'm saying. We can't just disregard the whole narrative. So fortunately though, 2021 offers us some kind of relief in certain areas. And we see that, you know, the vaccines and just suddenly there's like a little bit more mobility and openness, right? Slowly but surely. Um, But essentially what's happening and one of like the key components, I think, of 2021 and its whole, not even just like in this timeframe we're talking about, um, but is this kind of Saturn Uranus square that I'm going to be highlighting throughout this episode um, because it really highlights, you know, collectively and personally, where we're kind of dealing with all these feelings of feeling stuck or in tradition or uh, rigid or in this kind of conservative, untapped elements of our lives versus where we need to kind of break through and authenticate and kind of rebel and revolutionize, which is not easy to kind of like Mm. bring the old and the new together, right? Because one is trying to hold on and the other's like, break free, you know, like, let's be Mm -hmm. done with this. Um, So there's a little bit of that kind of carrying through 2021 where we're like, okay, Right at the end of December last year, we had that Saturn Jupiter conjunction, and that was like major, really set us up for the next 30 years, um, where we have Saturn and Jupiter in air signs. And they're going to be kind of working on setting up a whole new kind of paradigm for us to be moving through, which sounds major, but is critical at this stage. Yeah. yeah and and sh- as we're doing that, it's like folks are either embracing that that's where we're going or they're fighting against it. It's right. it's like and but it's it's happening no matter what. Exactly. Yeah, and it's like you know, if you're not familiar with Saturn and Jupiter and what they do and they're really like what is setting up the whole momentum of this year so I think it's important to just briefly yeah. talk about them. 
Um, but you know, Saturn works to ground us down. It works to kind of build a structure. It's very material focused. It's very much about concrete, tangible action and effect. Um, whereas Jupiter is about like the vision, you know, like let's dream the dream, let's make it bigger. So they are both like, you know, where Jupiter says yes, Saturn says no, or where Saturn says, I'm afraid Jupiter says, you know, risk it all. Like, let's do it. You know, like, so there's this element of like, I love when they're together and it only happens every 30 years or so. And it really sets up that new flow and all of our lives too, in a personal way too, you know? So these two are just kind of like, they're wrestling with each other a lot this year because we're really wrestling with like, do I expand or contract, expand or contract? Mm. What, you know, what do I do? And we get into a new flow come summer when Jupiter moves into Pisces for a brief stay, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah. Let's talk about the outer planets for a second. Absolutely. We're talking about Saturn and Jupiter. If astrology is something that you're just starting to connect into and you're starting to have an understanding, like maybe you know your maybe you know your sun sign, your rising sign, and your moon sign, but you're like, I don't know what the planets, I don't know what they do. What what are they up to? What do they what does it mean when you're talking about Saturn and Jupiter? So you talked about Saturn and it's like this this mm-hmm. this planet of staying uh, a big it's the it's the groundedness planet mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. we're talking about Jupiter and there's there's so much fun stuff that can happen in Jupiter so now they they've come together and they're they're in this dance that's kind of going on between them mm-hmm. and so then what about the other what about the other outer planets like what's what's the story of each of them absolutely so today in particular we're going to be focusing on Uranus Neptune and Pluto so I'll give you guys a quick rundown of them as well yeah um, aside from Saturn and Jupiter but you know Uranus, who's a really big part of this kind of story with Saturn and Jupiter this year, Uranus, wherever Uranus is by transit or natally, we have a need to break free of something. Like something has just become too stagnant. And this is why Saturn and Uranus are like these natural enemies where Saturn tries to maintain rigidity and like form. Uranus says like, no, like let's flip the table. Let's bring in something fresh. Let's get new solutions um, and completely radicalize it. So Uranus, like I'm saying, by transit, it really tends to kind of break up any stagnant ground. And that's what it's doing in Taurus right now, wherever your, you know, Taurus is in your chart. And if you guys are familiar with your chart, this might be a, a good episode or a moment to just pull up your chart because there'll be brief, uh, frequent times where I'm like, check your Capricorn house, your Taurus house. Mm. And if you need help finding those, I will be happy to help you. Um, but, you know, so in our Taurus house, in our chart right now, we're having this revolutionary, you know, exciting, very stimulating energy. And Uranus does that. It's kind of like this electric, um, you know, this electric energy that comes into that area of life and says like, this needs to change. And it's funny because it's in Taurus, which is all about let's ground down. Like, let's keep it simple. Let's plod along. Let's keep to routine. So all my Taurus people, or if you have Taurus planets, you know that it's like, whoa, I gotta, you know, things are shaking me up. I've got to really kind of change how I approach this planet or this area of life. Um, so that's Uranus. Um, and that's what's going on right now in terms of just kind of like anytime there's rebellion or upheaval or fluctuation, you know that Uranus is getting kind of activated. Secondarily, Neptune is also in this play. And Neptune is currently in Pisces. And Neptune takes forever. It's been there for like, you know, it stays there in Pisces for like 14 years or something. And it's a mm. slow burn, you know, it's like, Uranus is about seven years in Taurus. Neptune is about 14. I think it's about a little over halfway through at this point, maybe three quarters. But Neptune, what Neptune does is, it, you know, think of Neptune, the god of the oceans. It's kind of like this 
dreamy, you know, it puts a fog on things. It puts an idyllic kind of fog. Um, and it really works to increase compassion and spirituality, um, and also kind of erode in like a watery sense, whatever area of life, you know, is ruled by Pisces in your chart. So look to your Pisces house to see like, okay, well, where is this kind of deepening of emotions? Where is this compassion seeping through? Where is this draw towards spiritualizing or kind of, um, you know, taking away boundaries? Um, and lastly, Pluto is in Capricorn, right? So Pluto, if Uranus is kind of like awakening and Neptune is like deepening and spiritualizing and eroding boundaries, Pluto would be where we just burn it down to the ground and rebuild, right? Pluto is where you reach your hand into the earth and uproot something. And mm, we say it. like, you got to like really get in there and take something out. So look at your Capricorn house to see where there is this uprooting, where there is this kind of turning of the soil, um, where there is kind of this wound as well. Pluto always represents a wound that needs healing. So right now with Pluto and Capricorn, Capricorn has to deal with like our government, the patriarchy, the powers that be. We know that there's kind of like a long breakdown of, um, you know, and think about Capricorn as like its connection to work and productivity. There's a decaying element to all those things. And that's what Pluto is good at. It's about kind of breaking down those elements and renewing them. So these are major players. These are like huge planets that just have like such, you know, gravitas and it's like, they're intense and they are all active this year, um, but in different capacities. So we really had a big dose of Pluto last year, right? With life completely kind of burning down as we knew it. This year, we're honing in more on Saturn and Jupiter and Uranus, which we'll talk a little bit more about. So I'm going to ask you, I have Pisces in the second house. So as you're talking about Pisces, Pisces being in Neptune. Is that correct? All right. Neptune being in Pisces. Yep. Right. Okay. So Neptune is in Pisces. Mm-hmm. I have Pisces in the second house. Right. Tell me what that means. Sure. So our second house, right. By the way, houses are all about different areas of life where we kind of tap into, you know, we try to fit all of life into these 12 little pieces of the pie. So it has, a, you know, houses that are multifaceted. Um, but the second house primarily, you know, is like a three, three tiered cake to me. On that top level, there is, you know, our finances, our resources, our money story. Secondly, on that second tier, there is our talents and our skills and our underutilized abilities. You can always look to your second house to say, what are my talents that I like kind of shrug off? You know, what if you're like, what if you're like a really awesome painter? And then, you know, people come by and they're always like, wow, this painting is like amazing. And you're just like, yeah, whatever, you know, and you're just like, yeah, I suck. And everyone's like, actually, you're really good. Uh, And like, that's the second house. That's where we have our natural skills and talents. Um, So look to the sign on the, you know, on the second house to say, what am I good at? So you would have some kind of natural Pisces abilities. And here you are doing your spiritual work, Uh you know, your ability to kind of, you know, get Pisces with it um, in some form. And so on that third tier, if you will, it's, we go a little bit deeper and we find our feelings of validity and self-worth. And we need all three of these to make our talents worth something to increase our income, et cetera, et cetera. So it all kind of travels back up. Um, So yeah, so you would be kind of in this process these last few years of really kind of changing how you earn, changing, you know, you're deepening your connection to your talents and skills in a new way, which is not always easy. Neptune likes to bring out the melancholic elements of things. Um, And also kind of exploring any underlying feelings or, you know, it seeps through the cracks and gets really down there like water does, you know? Mm -hmm. So that would be going on your second. So this kind of spiritualization of your talents and skills and earning power. Well, that is 
so incredibly true. Oh, so, cool. Yeah, love it, <laughs> love it, love it. Yeah, I mean, very much so. You know, I've I've worked for many years as a consultant in a variety of ways, as a creative consultant and a business consultant. And I've had we we of course for many, many years, and it's really shifted into taking this much more mystical approach for the for the modern modern human who's really finding their way into these practices. And this is the first year that I've when I talk about that. I work as a consultant and a strategist that I say I'm a creative consultant, a business consultant, and a soul strategist. Like all yeah, three of those things without are being like, in what this I is do. weird. You're like, this is who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, love it. Right. Yeah. Okay. So then, okay. So then, okay. Let me get it right. Saturn. No, mm-hmm. we're, Saturn is in Taurus. Is that oh, right? Saturn is in Aquarius. Saturn and is Jupiter are in Aquarius. Saturn and, and Jupiter are in Aquarius. Okay. Got right. it. And then Capricorn. Pluto is in Capricorn. Pluto is in Capricorn. Got it. And so for me, Capricorn is my rising uh, first house sign. Oh, wow. And yeah. Um, Yeah. So tell me the wow. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Pluto also takes a long time. I think Pluto has been in Capricorn since 2010. So this is not news for you. This is not like a fresh story. Mm -hmm. It's been something you've been working through for a while. Yeah. You have everything in that first quadrant going on. You've got all these heavy hitters down there. They're saying like, we got to rebuild. And so having this any of you Cap Risings or Cap Suns have been going through it, and I feel for you. I send love because last year was not easy. I know you had all that Saturn, Pluto, really heavy stuff going on mm-hmm. in your house, um, in that first house. But primarily, like I was saying, kind of Pluto really deals with underlying wounds or, or you know compulsions or a connection to power, and it works to break things down, um, and often in a pretty emotionally intense, not always very you know light and fluffy way. Um, it's a deeply psychological planet. So to have it moving through your first house since 2010, and for a couple more years at this point, um, there would be kind of this restructuring or regeneration going on around your identity, around your independence, kind of breakdown around who you are as an individual and needing to break through different facades or layers of your presentation to the world, of your independence, of your individuality, of who you are in relationship. Not always a comfortable process, but one that has really clearly done its work on you and like you're becoming just truer and truer to who you are while probably having to de- like wrestle with some really intense emotional elements that Pluto's probably brought up along the way. And here you are kind of like doing this work, you know, encouraging people to kind of go deeper, which is what Pluto does. So you, you're familiar with this energy at this point. Yeah. I also have Capricorn. Uh, my 12th house, 12th house is also, uh, I'm Capricorn in the 12th house too. Okay, cool. Well, let's see this. I use a whole sign houses. So to, to me, if you're cap rising, Aquarius would be your 12th. Everyone uses different house systems. House systems are just like how you uh, erect the chart. Um, and so there's a lot of different ways to do that, but everyone kind of chooses what one works for them. I use whole signs. So to me, Aquarius would be your 12th, but depending on your practitioner that can change, but yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So, okay. So then tell me a little bit about that, Max. So I, I know people will wonder like, well, how do I know which chart to use? What, what makes the best sense? And then Uh, what do I do with it? So welcome to astrology. (laughs) Welcome to the you know, just centuries old debacle of what house system do I use? It's such a hot mess. Um, it is really like you go with what you want to go with. If you study under a certain person and they use a style you like, uh, I went to Kepler college and online there, they, you know, they really immerse you in traditional astrology and traditional astrology uses whole signs, um, for the most part. Uh, whereas a lot of modern astrologers use Placidus. I'm telling you, there's like 20 different house systems. It is, it's madness. Um, I just learned about a new one last week. I'm like, Jesus, you know, it's just, they're, they're everywhere. So you got to kind of find what works for you. 
I find whole sign regularly works. I also find Placidus works. I just don't prefer it because it makes uneven, like an uneven mess in the chart for me. And my brain likes that kind of clarity. Um, right. And so, yeah, whole signs works for me. You just mess around with what you like. If you're learning with somebody, try something out. You don't have to be, it's good to be like bilingual, as one of my teachers used to say with, with houses. Oh, I, house yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like that. I like it. Okay. So then, and then we were talking about this Taurus energy too. Yeah, for me, so, I have a Taurus moon and then I have Taurus in the uh, fourth house. Right. Well, I laughed because I was thinking about your Taurus moon, right? The moon really relates us to our home. It talks about where's home, what is like, where is my, you know, where's my safe space, my security, my comfort, my home. Uh, and you're having Uranus probably transiting or getting close to or near your moon at a certain point. Um, do you know what degree your moon is? Mm, I'm sure I could. It has a I'm number sure usually near it. It's okay, okay. if not. Um, yeah, so my um, three degrees. Yeah, okay, so this happened already. So luckily you're out of this transit, but I'm sure it was like a little bit like, whoa. Um, but this was, you know, Uranus, shocking, kind of revolutionizing, changing the home. So it just brings, so when you're like, I've been moving around all these last couple of years, like nonstop, I'm like, yeah, Uranus on your moon, that's <laughs> perfect. So it just kind of like keeps things, it's hard to settle down when Uranus is really active in our charts because we're like, Ah, I got to just start all over or change this or change that. And so luckily you're out of that transit. Now you can probably get Saturning and kind of get grounding and building a foundation. Um, yeah, it's so, so true. I mean, we literally two weeks ago, as we're recording this two weeks ago, we moved into our, our new house in LA. So that's perfect. Luckily, yeah, yeah this, that's not always an easy transit either. It's kind of just like, whoa, very awakening and you can't sleep at night. It's like you're in a pumps electricity into your body and like your nervous system goes like, whoa. So there's that, and then Taurus rules what house for you? Then Taurus rules my fourth house. Gotcha. And then again, we have that beautiful symbolism married there. The fourth house has to do with our home, our foundations, wherever we're living. So that is just like really kind of like it's also kind of changing your connection to family dynamics. That's really going to be super active uh, throughout these next few years. So. It's hmm. it's an unsettling at your foundation okay. kind of system. And so here you are now with your new home and after all this moving, hopefully you can start to build some Saturn things in these coming times. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah. So now I got an opportunity to know all about my stuff. So yes. if you want to know about your stuff, you have to you have to hit up Mac to do that. Happily. Yeah. And it's you know, it's crazy because if you think about it too, so they all start to intermingle with each other, right? And this is like one of those main stories I was going to talk about with 2021 and how it affects us personally and collectively in the sense that, you know, Saturn and Jupiter or really Saturn and Uranus are kind of squaring each other all year, which I kind of mentioned before. Okay. Um, and when these two get together, they really clash because there's like, like I said, Saturn wants to uphold the way things have always been done. And Uranus kind of wants to revolutionize the approach. So wherever those two are in your chart, you know, they're going to be having that very same battle, but in those houses and with those stories. So that's how you kind of deepen interpretation there in terms of being mm -hmm. like, oh, you know, this is how this is, has always been. And then the other part's like, no, this has to change. Like we have to kind of, so wherever in your chart, you know, we have wherever you have Aquarius and wherever you have Taurus, there's going to be that like kind of battling square between them. That's going to like really just start to grind your gears. And you're going to realize like, damn, you know, like I really want to keep this thing, but I've got to revolutionize this thing. Mm -hmm. So there's that stretching, that kind of grinding, that diamond in the rough energy that's going to be very active throughout the year. 
but anyway, so, so that's really like the backbone setup for the year. Um, hopefully you guys are a little more familiar with Uranus, Neptune and Pluto and how they work since we looked through Andy's chart a little bit here. So yeah, those guys are super active. Okay. Got it. Okay. So then we have a Mercury retrograde coming. We've got some eclipse action. Oh yeah. So tell us about, tell us about those things. Everybody always wants to know about the retrogrades and the eclipses, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. And there's, they have good reason to want that. It's such Mm -hmm. a fascinating part of astrology. And so let's just really quickly start with what comes first, right? So May 26, we have the first eclipse of the year. We're entering into eclipse season. And this is why actually the summer itself, not so stressful, not so chaotic. And if you think back to past summers in, you know, recent years, we had eclipses in July and it was always kind of like, oh God. And now the eclipses are moving into Gemini and Sag. So they happen a little like, you know, late fall, early spring instead of summer uh, and winter. So that being said, eclipses, right? What do they do? Well, eclipses, you know, they bring life's events to the forefront. Something ends, something begins. There's a lot of unexpected changes of direction. Um, But keep this in mind. This is something people don't usually realize about eclipses is that, you know, you're not going to feel every eclipse. Um, you feel eclipses when they hit something in your chart. And that's what I, when I mentioned degrees, like it's important to look at, and this is a little deeper and a little more intermediate, but looking at the degree of a planet or your ascendant, you know, if I'm 20 degrees Leo rising, if an eclipse is at 20 degrees Leo, yeah, I'm going to feel it. But if this eclipse is at zero Leo, yeah, you know, maybe I'll faintly feel something in the air around that house. But so mm-hmm. eclipses, everyone's always like, oh my God, eclipses, ah, but you know, you're not going to feel them unless they're activating something in your chart. So do pay attention to degrees and look at the Sag Gemini axis in your chart. Look at those houses, you know, what are they activating? What's the story being told? It's not that nothing's happening there, but eclipses wake things up and people and events can get eclipsed in or out of your life, really, you know, if things are active and no need to be afraid. It's just kind of like an intensification. Um, and so Lunar eclipses are kind of like full moons that are times three. You know, they're they're mass, they're mm-hmm. like a super full moon, if you will. And a solar eclipse is also like a super new moon times three. So they they really just are emotional impacts, right? We already know how we feel at full moon regularly. Times that by three, that yeah, it's not really enticing. No, because it's really intense and we get such um, a kind of emotional revelation around the Gemini Sag access in our charts. So do look to that to see where some of these kind of eclipse stories are going to be active. Um, and really it's like eclipses bring things to light, right? They, whatever has been swept under the rug, we deal with it. We bring to surface hidden problems that can sometimes be dramatic or emotional, but it's really an opportunity to become super aware of issues that are needing work. So pay attention to that eclipse. That lunar eclipse is May 26th and the solar eclipse is June 10th. And just a quick note on lunar and solar so you guys know the differences there. Lunar eclipses tend to be more internal. Um, They kind of deal with emotions and like pondering the issues of life. Um, Their events are kind of usually brought on by our own thoughts and feelings and interior process. Solar eclipses are more external, right? They're more kind of yang. They're like dealing with events around people or or actions um, that they're just very like they're direct and they're in your face where lunar is a little more like, whoa, this came from within. So eclipses, woo, very fun indeed. Yes. And so as you're talking about the Gemini Sag- Sagittarius axis, wh- why specifically those two signs for, for is it for this these particular eclipses that we're exactly. considering that axis? Yes, exactly. And it's, so they're pretty much kind of moving um, 
the eclipses, I think, started in Gemini and Sag last year. I think we ride them out for like two years at a time. So okay. they're all kind of connected. So we're not unfamiliar with this energy. We had a little bit of a taste of it last year. We're getting a little bit more um, this year. So that's just how they are, where they are at this moment. You know, in a couple of years, they'll move on from Gemini, Sag into Taurus, Scorpio, and they keep kind of going backwards in reverse order there. Um, so that's all. They're just they're just hanging out there for the time being. Um, so I know on my Gemini side, people are feeling that push and pull of kind of what's going on there. Um, yeah, so, got yeah. it. So it would make sense to go look at your chart and look at, okay, where is Gemini in my chart? Which house is Gemini in and which house is Sagittarius in? Exactly. Yeah. And so what's cool about eclipses too, and in terms of like what you're saying there is to, the eclipses are brought on by the nodes of the moon, these things called the nodes of fate, which are not planets, they're points. And the north node right now is in Gemini and the south node is in Sagittarius. So wherever these two go, they travel together. Um, they're intrinsically linked. Um, and so one is a point of intake. And right now that point of intake is in Gemini, right? Um, and the point of outtake and release is in Sag. So there's kind of, they travel together wherever they are in your chart, wherever that axis is in your chart, you're intaking through the north node, which is Gemini intaking in that area of life, whatever that is. Um, and the Sagittarius element is saying, we're letting go here. Something needs releasing. I've done this too many times. It's uncomfortable, you know, like, so that's always kind of a process going on in the background there. Yeah, so, got yeah. it. Yeah. North node astrology is something I'm so interested in. And it's something I definitely am paying so much attention to. Yeah. And it's interesting to, to think about the 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 collective north node this collective north node and gemini and what that means for us as just human beings so when when you're considering the north node and the south node and you're considering it for your own chart what are the things to what are the things to know about the north node and the south node the north node if it's natal or transiting, we have both at all times, right? So you can always look to your birth chart and say, where's my natal north node? Well, that's where you're most kind of uncomfortable or unfamiliar with something in your life. But you're here to learn about, you're here to integrate, and you're here to work through. Like, it's like every time you do it, you're kind of like, oh, that felt good. Or like, even though that was kind of scary and I did it, wow, I felt really good once I kind of learned about it. So your south node, your natal south node and transiting south node, um, wherever that point is, is kind of like, it's like a crutch. You're really used to it. You're actually usually really talented and um, you're coming into that place, that South node of being like, I'm really good at this. You know, like for example, my South node is in cancer, is in cancer in the 12th. So I'm really good at escaping. I'm really good at going into cancer shell mode. I'm really good at just like evading and hiding um, and not expressing my feelings and stuff like this to get personal with you. Uh, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. My north node is in Capricorn. And so in the sixth house, which is all about routine, organization, getting a flow, getting, you know, organizing oneself and cap being about studying and, and ambitions and forming, you know, order, process, structure, form is Capricorn. Um, so anytime that I do allow myself some form or some groundedness or, you know, structure things for myself, I'm always like, oh, wow, that worked out so much easier than me just like avoiding the problem or hiding. Right. Right. So you can look to your natal south or north node to be like, all right, I'm usually really good at this, but I've got to try this. Yeah. It's like, it's like the comfort zone and what we've got to give a try to in this lifetime. Exactly. Well put. Yeah. 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 Got it. And got it. Yeah. No, I've definitely been exploring my, my uh, north node is Libra and I'm, I feel like I'm just in the last couple of years, like really starting to step into, into that and yeah. get comfortable 
get more comfortable with what that means for me. Exactly. Right. So that South node would be an Aries and it would be mm-hmm. like, I'm used to being like independent. Yeah. You know, Miss yeah. Capricorn rising. I'm used to, and Leo, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm used to doing things for myself. I'm good. What I don't always know is how do I collaborate? How do I partner up? How do we, how do we yeah. share? Right. It's like, Oh exactly. God, not mm-hmm. any, it's never easy, but it's always like, wow, this is great. I'm glad that we like, we learned about this with our North node. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Then tell us about the, so we have Mercury retrograde coming. So tell us about that. Of course. Okay. So the last few years we've had retrogrades in water signs specifically, and we've only, I think just last year began to shift into air sign retrogrades for a couple of years. And so what is Mercury retrograde, right? Well, most of the time when Mercury, the planet of message, you know, messages, communication, um, expression, data in, data out, you're using Mercury to listen to me. Well, you know, I use Mercury to talk. That's all Mercury. Um, when Mercury is direct, you know, we, we operate on a very functional plane. Like everything is clear. We are being productive. We're being effective. There's not a lot of time for reflection and retrospection, right? We're kind of like, uh, I just got to keep moving forward. Mercury retrograde and everyone curses it and stuff. And I get it. And it's because we don't really want the unconscious to reign supreme. But the reality is we kind of need some reflective, Mm -hmm. contemplative time to really sit with the issues of the last three months of Mercury being direct. Um, During the retrograde phase, it says like, oh my God, I haven't really processed any of this stuff. I need to process. Um, And so we make time for journaling. We make time for dreaming. We make time for just letting our feelings and things rise, right? And so the air element of this is the fact that, you know, we're using this as like instinctive mental downtime. Air is an intellectual, um, you know, kind of element in a lot of ways. And it has to, it really kind of prompts us to be like, you know, what are the meanings of the relationships in my life? Um, We kind of reevaluate our thinking process, our communication process with air being so active in this retrograde. It's not particularly emotional, which I'm on board for. Um, but it's like, we kind of figure out, you know, how do I relate? What's, what are my hangups around relating? And, and not just in partnerships, in, in any kind of communicative effort with someone else, um, we get to examine our kind of defenses around communication, our defenses around interaction, not speaking up enough, speaking too much, listening, talking, air sign stuff. Um, so this is one of those quintessential retrogrades though with air super active that you kind of want to hang back, especially on like, signing contracts, um, you know, kind of, unless you're okay with the ultimate plan kind of changing down the road and that's all mm. retrogrades do. They just kind of take, we show up somewhere else. People freak out being like, well, I can't buy this or I can't sign this. And it's like, yeah, you can. It's life. We can't just not do things for, you know, this time period that Mercury is retrograde. Right. It's just, it's going to look a little different by the time that it's over. Um, so really you'll find yourself kind of mulling over thinking, communicating and relating um, in a very kind of you know, potent way. And so that's going to run from May 29th, I think to June 22nd. So okay, keep that. Yes. So right as this episode airs, everybody, mm-hmm. Mercury retrograde We're is upon it. us. We're in it. Yes. Let yourself reflect, let yourself, you know, let go of the need for mental action um, and kind of see what the unconscious wants to show you and see what you've missed, kind of review and revisit what maybe has slipped through the cracks. Yeah. I, lo- I love a little hanging out in the air signs. Yeah. I mean, and now, now we're getting to do a lot of hanging out in the air signs. Yes. But, yeah. There's a lot yeah. of air. And there's one yeah. other thing I did want to mention, speaking of the yeah. excess of air in the sky, Jupiter is going into Pisces for a brief day. And this is like one of the most important kind of transitions or moments of the summer that's worth mentioning. Um, we mentioned Jupiter and Saturn are traveling together right now. So they're kind of balancing that like need to expand with that need to contract, you know, the, the plans to build something 
uh, Jupiter versus the reality of doing it, Saturn. Well, Jupiter is kind of on its way into Pisces, where, um, and that's on May 13th. Um, and now it's only just kind of stepping in there a little bit before it retrogrades back into Aquarius in a couple of months. Mm-hmm. But this is like, this is beautiful. So here's why we like this. Jupiter is entering into a sign of its rulership. And so when Jupiter enters into its rulership, it has, you know, it has resources. It's like, oh, I know this land. Like, I, I get it. I get around mm-hmm. here. Like, you know, and Aquarius is kind of like, it doesn't really have what it needs. But when it's back home, it's kind of like on its throne. So anytime you have a planet in rulership in, you know, in your own chart, it's kind of like, oh yeah, I'm a boss around here. Like, I get this. So Jupiter is going to be kind of playing boss in Pisces. Um, and so what does Jupiter do again, right? Jupiter expands, it grows, it deepens, it widens. Um, so we're, we're intensifying the Pisces elements. So look to your Pisces house again to see where you're going to get a little bit of Jupiter action. And you're going to, I love that for you with your Mm. second house. That's a little like Mm -hmm. maybe a little earning boost, a little more opportunities to kind of use your talents and skills. Um, I don't so much love it for my chart right now, but it's okay. Um, so here is kind of what happens with this. Jupiter goes into Pisces and what does it do? It expands. Pisces, this is what how I got to thinking about this at least. I think that there has not been a lot of room for grief or emotions or all the stuff that we've been dealing with last year, right? Like I don't think there was so much air and so much earth that we're just like blinders on, gotta be practical, right. gotta survive mentally, right? That we have just like kind of closed off. I think when Jupiter goes into Pisces, it's gonna be like, oh my God, you know, like this kind of swelling up um, and letting go. And I think it's going to be really cathartic and important. And it might be a little sad and intense at times, but I really think that we're going to be like, whoa, I haven't felt, I haven't allowed myself to feel this. Yeah. Like so, so necessary, the release that needs to happen. Yeah, exactly. So I think that that will offer some room for like increased empathy, increased coming Mm -hmm. together be by the water this summer, Jupiter and Pisces. This is like the the time that you want to like book an Airbnb with a pool or a lake or you want to just get Pisces with it. So that should be a very, that should be a sweet energy because Jupiter will be nice and strong. Yeah. Okay. So, and so how long does Jupiter hang out in Pisces before it retrogrades back to Aquarius? Exactly. So it retrogrades back to Aquarius on July 28th, and then it goes back to kind of do some more Aquarius homework uh, throughout the rest of the year. So Enjoy the yeah. brief stay, see what it brings yeah, up. Yeah, but it's it's nice. It's like we get most of the summer, we get to like go go swimming in the lake, yes. be by the beach, yeah, <laughs> rent go the on. Airbnb with the pool right. and, and like let it out. Exactly. And let it feel yeah. like this is just the time to connect with your art. It's, it's you know, how Aquarius can be so like logic brain. And it's like, we're all just kind of like mm-hmm. in that space still, I think. And we're all kind of traumatized by everything that Pisces will be like, okay, I can let it out. Yeah, I can cry. I can be a human and just connect with what I love and also surrender and kind of ride it out. That's what Pisces does best. So enjoy that. I think that that's going to really sweeten things up because it was so much Capricorn last year and the Capricorn can be so heavy. Yeah. Let's have a sweet summer. I like it. I know. So, yeah. So guys, like mainly the, the rest of the summer is pretty low key and it sounds funny to say like, this is an episode about the astrology of summer, but the reality is the summer actually doesn't hold that much action. And you know what? Maybe we deserve that. Maybe we need a break and honestly, just enjoy your summer, right? Um, A couple more brief things to note really quick is that most of July, Mars and Venus, these kind of very sensual, sexual planets, especially when they get together, 
are traveling together throughout July. So they're kind of like in this traveling conjunction, which is like super hot. I love it. Um, Mm -hmm. If you're a Mars Venus kind of person, uh, love it for like getting out there onto the dating scene. Love it for like a little sexy getaway in the mountains. Do what you got to do. I just think July is like some fun, really kind of flirtatious, sexy energy. It can also sometimes Mars and Venus can inflame relationships because it's like Mars, this hot, aggressive planet coming with Venus. who's like this relationship softening. So you may have, you know, I I guess makeup sex is coming to mind for my, (laughs) in my, (laughs) but you know what I mean? It's like, it's sweet, but it's intense and it's hot and maybe a little angry. So keep an eye on your relationships in July because that area of life will intensify maybe for, you know, maybe for the better, maybe for the worse, who knows? Um, Mm -hmm. But I like that. And then the rest of the summer, we're just kind of riding it out. The eclipses really bring the bulk of the energy Jupiter moving into Pisces really brings a shift in tone um, emotionally and relationship-wise. So that is my two my two cents on all that. What do you think? How do you feel about this news? I'm 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 into this news. <laughs> so into no, I'm like I'm already planning like my beach days. I'm yes. like okay. Jupiter says I got to go hang out by the water. <laughs> Jupiter says exactly. I got to do it. And yeah, and thanks for sharing details about my chart because it it definitely. Gosh, the that second house Pisces stuff. It's like, okay, that's what we're doing. And you know, as a person who has so much earth and fire in her chart, it's, I like I've really found over the last couple of well, I, I won't even say years. I'll say the last year, I've really been looking at in my chart, like where does where does where do I have water? Because I know that that like that water allows us to open up our intuitive gifts. And I've been really looking at like how do I lean into. Oh the houses that have water that's signs. beautiful well that's perfect and jupiter is totally going to show you the way to do that this year because jupiter is all about that kind of spiritual expansion that psychological mm-hmm. growth that always shows us the way forward spiritually and as does pisces so i think this is going to just be a super packed kind of spiritual year if you want to get involved in learning something new um, going on retreats this is like the time for that that is just like you feel it all you can process it all you can grieve through it all and connect with it all. I love it. I'm excited for that energy, energy shift. Beautiful. Yes. Okay. All right, Max. So we're going to close out. I'm going to ask you five questions about you. So now you've given us all the, you've given us all the juice for the summer, for the late spring and early, well, late spring and and the duration of the summer. So now let's talk about you for a moment. Okay. So the first question is this. Tell us about an object or charm that is special to you. Okay. Well, I'm really boring and I struggle with this question. And, you know, as the cancer, cancer is usually a hoarder. So we usually like keep a bunch of random crap that we should really be letting go of and yet don't. Um, I, and this is like uncool and I'm sorry, um, but I like love crystals and I love points. Like I've just been like rotating. I think Andy's probably seen me rotate between like three different points throughout this talk. Um, so I have like a labradorite point and a uh, obsidian, which I'm really drawn to and selenite. And I just love, these are like, these are my, these are my babies. That's not boring. boring. I I mean, you guys can't see Mac, but she's holding three crystals in her hands (laughs) and like kind of shuffling them. Like, you know, yeah. Waving them into the sky. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, these like, I need them during readings. I need them for grounding. I need that. I put them in my pocket. I just like, I love a point. It just feels so good. Do you have any of these kind of guys? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're so good. Yeah. They're so good. Yeah. I actually, I have, so last night I was, so I'm doing Kundalini teacher training. I've Whoa. been doing that this year, 
which is which is like incredibly expansive. And I had to teach in my training last night. So I have all my points lined up in the other room where I was teaching. So I just, I like wanted like a wall of them around. Yes, yes. Teaching. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Okay. So you're familiar with the yeah, beauty of points. Yeah. Yes. So I'm into it. I'm a crystal girl mm-hmm. through and through. Like they, they are my, who I would, I, what I would grab in a fire that and some books. That's it. Yeah. I, I think I'm the same. Cat. So <laughs> I feel that. Yeah. I, of course. in the cat. Obviously she sure. comes first. Obviously. Yes. Okay. Um, all right. So speaking of books, the second question is what is a book that changed your life? Oh my God. The book that changed my life is Alan Oaken's Complete Astrology. Mm, yeah. Yes. So it's an incredible, mm-hmm. do you know Alan Oaken? I have the book. Yeah. Oh, yes. I'm so yeah. glad. What a book. I mean, at the time I was like 17 or 18 and I was dating like one of my Pisces burnout boyfriends. And he, we used to go to this place called the book barn. We grew up in New Jersey and it was like this big barn full of books and you could just get some dusty books for a dollar. And he like grabbed Alan Oaken's book and we would just like buy a shitload of books and thinking we were like little spiritual intellectuals. We would like take them back to his porch and like leaf through them and he kind of chose that book and I like, you know, I gravitated to it because I was always into astrology ever since I was a kid. I was like, astrology is awesome. And then it wasn't until that book that I realized that there was so much more going on. Um, and so while I didn't really need the boyfriend, I definitely took the book and I absconded <laughs> with the book and it's like covered in duct tape. It is like one of my cherished possessions. It's like falling apart and it smells horrible and wonderful. It's just great. Oh, so good. So good. I, you know, I, I'm very much, very much a student and I'm so happy to have people like you in my life that can kind of give me the guidance and, and support my learning. And whenever I am trying to find my way and understand what's happening in all things astrology, I go flip, flip into the pages of that book too. It's a good one. It's, it's a good starter. It just really at least opened my eyes to like where things could go. Um, so it was like a great jumping off point. So Thank yeah. you for that. Yes. <laughs> I mean, sometimes those boyfriends come around for a Yeah, reason. exactly. Yeah. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The third question is, tell me about an experience or moment that changed your life in a profound way. <sighs> okay. Well, I've lived in the city since I was 18. I'm 29, almost 30 in July. Um, and I initially was going to school for photography. I went to FIT. Um, and I went there for like two years before I realized that like, I just wasn't feeling it. Like it wasn't really doing it for me. Uh, education just, I was just like very apathetic about all of it. Um, and I was like minoring in creative writing cause I love to write. And so I was like, this is more my speed right now. And all my professors at the end of the year, they, you know, like at the end of the associates year, they kind of like sit you down cause it's like a specialty program. And they're like, they're all kind of like, well, you don't really seem to want to be here. And I was like, yeah, I guess I don't. And I just got on the subway and like cried all the way home. And I was like, well, I guess like I'm not going to get my bachelor's. I guess that this is just my career is just kind of like completely in this like shifting space. And I remember like from there on, my parents were like, well, all right, well, you're not going to school. We're not going to pay for anything. Good luck, kid. Like you better get a job. And right. so I got retail and coffee jobs and just made my way. But Eventually, what I love about those moments where you're kind of butting up against your family or or what's expected of you or any of that stuff is that I came to kind of find palmistry. And then through palmistry, I found Mm. like a deeper love for astrology and like all those things throughout my early 20s that maybe I would have stayed closed off to if I had just stayed the course. Instead, you know, I let myself be lost and I found what I needed to find. And now I look back and I'm like, thank God I didn't just like 
put the blinders on and stay in a realm that I didn't, I didn't really need, you know? So to me, that yeah. was one, one of those moments where it's like, wow, you really recognize when something shifts and you got to just sometimes, even if it feels like you're, you're Plutoing, if your life is falling apart and you have no ground anymore, that that's exactly where you got to be. Cause it'll show you the way to something else. So yeah, learning to stay fast. I mean, we always, we all, we always are where we're supposed to be exactly in the moment, even if we don't, even if we don't know it at the moment that it's happening. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Next question. What is something you do for your health and wellness? So for my health and wellness, you know, I'm like a woman of earthly pleasures. I love to get into my body. I love to play music. I love to sing. I like doing anything that makes me laugh. Um, I like, that's how I genuinely take care of myself. I don't have like, I don't know, magical, like I'm not like, not like super healthy. I like love to just, you know, go out and drink wine if I want to, or or prioritize Mm -hmm. my play and prioritize pleasure and feeling good. Um, hiding my phone, staying off the internet, staying off Instagram. These are ways that I take care of myself uh, and therapy. I've been therapy for five years as of yesterday and, you know, taking baths and, I just love, I love stuff like that. That is genuinely how I take care of myself because Lord knows I eat whatever I want. Um, that's another way I, t- I take care of myself for the time being. Where, okay. So where is Venus in your chart? <laughs> She's in Leo I'm in my first okay. house. So mm-hmm. she loves, exactly. So now I was like, sense. wait, this is like very, uh, it's very Venusian. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I'm a Venus. Any pl- guys, just so you know, any, anytime you have uh, planets in your first house that tends to talk about character, of the person, so. Yeah. I have a couple in there. So it's Venus is one of them. And she's, she's like pleasure above all. And I'm like, oh, okay, it. girl. I mean, that's, that's the health and wellness we need, you know? <laughs> right. The one yeah. we forget about. I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah. Just be a human. Yeah, totally. Okay. Last question. Tell me about a moment that you knew magic was real. <sighs> that is a tricky one. I like really struggle with this question because I was like, wow, life is always showing me magic in like a consistent way. And synchronicity has always been present forever. I'm just like in constant amazement that I almost can't hone in on it. But there was this one period in my life where I was like performing and doing lots of spoken word poetry in Queens. And I met someone at an open mic just when I was really getting into my astrological studies. And he was this older man and he was like a piano tuner. And like he was, I ran into him in a random bookshop one day after meeting him at this open mic. And he, we got to talking about astrology and he knew all this stuff about astrology. And he was like, come over, like, I'll, I'll like show you, I'll teach you how to read charts or I'll show you all this stuff. And I was kind of like, at the time I was like, ah, I'm 22. You're like in your sixties. It's creepy. But I went over and like, I just, I risked it. I was like, whatever, sure. Like this guy had a good enough read, you know, intuitive enough. And I went there and he just like, I don't know. Just, he was like a Capricorn Aries person. He was just like giving me the books. And he's like, you haven't read Dane Rujar? Have you not read Dane Rujar? You need this. You need that. You need this. And again, with Capricorn, my North Node Capricorn, Capricorn people or energy is the right way for me. They always are your teachers. Look to your North Node for your teachers. And this Capricorn person was like, you need this book. You need this. This is how you read a chart. He was the first one to show me a wheel. I was like, this is chaos. What is this? Thing. And he was like, this is how you do it. And he would like feed me cherries and like give me these little, it's <laughs> like weird slippers to wear his hat around his house. It was never creepy. And he was just like, I was like, this is so magical because he was someone who got me exactly where I needed to be. And, and just the life gives you mentors uh, when you need them. And I think that's what I wanted to say about that story is that yeah. your mentors are always there once you kind of just follow the threads of 
what excites you. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. cool. Cherry yeah. feeding, slipper wearing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's such a magical, strange human being, but I, I love that. Yeah. I'm like, thank oh, you. Yeah. So cool. So good. Yeah. And like a thing that like kind of only happens in New York. Ex- exactly. Just like pure New York moments that you kind of just have to follow. <laughs> So good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This has been so much fun. Mac, thanks for being with me. Thank you so much. Okay. So if someone wants to find your work on the daily, they would go to? They would go to macandthezodiac.com. That's Mac with a K, M-A-C-K and thezodiac.com. You can also come read my horoscopes on astrology.com. Yeah. You know, come hang around. I'm, I'm on there. I'm going to do stuff eventually. I'm in my Saturn return, so give me time to like figure out what I'm doing. But come and chat. I love to connect. I love to help teach about astrology. If you need if you have questions, don't be shy. I love to I love to chat with people. So come on by. Perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Of course. My pleasure as well. Ah, uh, the wisdom of the astrologer. Mackenzie, I'm so grateful for your time with us. Thank you for sharing the astrology of the summer. Okay, my people, we've got the lowdown. We know what's up. We are ready for making some magical moves in this Jupiter and Pisces dreamy, dreamy summer of 21 that is upon us. So, a couple of updates on things that are coming up in the world of your woo-woo best friend and the world of wee-wee girl. We have our Tulum retreat. It's just a few weeks away. If you're feeling ready to dive fully into that Jupiter and Pisces summertime vibe, the dreamy, intuitive summer we all are so ready to have, then come and join me. We have a couple of spaces remaining as I'm recording this. And the women that are coming on this particular retreat are all so incredible. All the women that come on the retreats with me are always incredible. I've met some of my very best friends on retreats, and I cannot wait to be traveling with a group of spirit-led women once again. Speaking of meeting your soul sister, or soul sisters on retreats. Nadia, who is my partner in Sea Changers, she and I have an incredible lineup of workshops planned for the Sea Changers community for this summer and fall. If you have not yet checked it out, come give that a look. That is our community for soul-led women. And it's really for entrepreneurs, conscious creatives, and curious dreamers. So if you fall into one of those categories or have an overlap of all three of those categories, Sea Changers is certainly the community for you. Last announcement that I'll share is we are getting ready to celebrate the year anniversary of the launch of my Art of Lunar Living course, Colt Laloon. If you have taken the course, you know the depths that we go into in regards to working with the cosmic energy and the lunar cycle. It's very much a work at your own pace sort of course. And I've had people that have been doing it literally since month one and are now a year into this practice with me. We have some really fun things coming, some upgrades, up levels within the course for the year anniversary of the course. So if you're interested in that, go give that a look too. 
I will be sharing more reviews next week. And if you missed it last week, we're doing a very special giveaway for those of you that leave us a review. The details are on last week's episode. Hint, hint, hint. You can get a free month of Colt Laloon by leaving us a review. And all you have to do is send us a screenshot of your review and share it on your social channels. So let's hear it. Let's hear those reviews. It means the world to us. If you want to give us a follow on Instagram, the show page is your woo woo BFF. I'm Andy. And of course, my page, my Instagram page is wee wee girl, O-U-I-W-E-G-I-R-L. And with that, this episode is complete. I will see you again. We've got a beautiful lineup for the summer, some solo episodes and quite a few guests as well. And I can't wait to share them all with you. Thanks for being here.